0: You're listening to Advancing Our Church. Welcome to Advancing Our Church, a Changing Our World podcast about Catholic stewardship, leadership, and advancement. I'm Jim Friend. Well, happy Labor Day, everyone. As we drop this podcast, it is Labor Day weekend, 2019, and students around the country have either already begun or are preparing to begin a new school year. Here at Changing Our World, we have worked with hundreds of schools over the past 20 years, and our commitment to Catholic education begins at the top with our very own CEO, Brian Crimmins, who we will be featuring on today's episode. Over the next few weeks, our theme is Back to School, and we'll be talking with leaders in the space of Catholic education, and so I hope you'll stay tuned, like, and subscribe to our podcast. We begin this series on Catholic education with a webinar that Changing Our World held with the National Catholic Education Association, NCEA, back in the spring of 2019 of this year. If you missed it, this session continued the discussion about the future of Catholic education in the United States. The conversation began back in the fall of 2018 at the inaugural NCEA Elizabeth Ann Seaton Philanthropy Symposium in Washington. Today's conversation features Brian Crimmins and Matt Russell. Matt is the Chief Advancement and Business Development Officer at NCEA. On our website, we'll post a link where you can download and watch the full webinar and download the materials that they mention. That webinar and many other great materials are on our Changing Our World website at changingourworld.com. Just click on Thought Leadership. Okay, so without further ado, here is the future of Catholic education.
1: Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us. I'm Andrea chavez Copp with NCEA, and I'm happy to be your moderator and your host today. So before we get started, let's go ahead and meet with prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. It is now my pleasure to introduce to you our presenters. We have with us today Matt Russell, who is the Chief Business Development and Advancement Officer here at MCEA, and he's joined by Brian Crimmins, who is the Chief Executive Officer at Changing Our World, Incorporated. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you for joining us today.
2: Thank you, Andrea, and uh, we're, I'm very pleased to be here. This is Matt, and uh, I want to say a personal thank you to Brian for all of the work that we've done in the last, uh, well, more than a couple months, almost a full year now, talking, discussing, ways that we can advance the vision and mind the mission around Catholic schools. We have a very clear set of objectives today that we want to talk about. And one of the things that is very critical as we look at challenges that face Catholic education, I think we don't all have—there's no one person that has all of the answers that we need. Uh, And it's less about providing the exact solution than it is about asking the right questions, having meaningful conversation, inviting the correct people— broadening our group so that we're getting a, a diverse set of inputs into our discussion, having the right conversations. Uh, and one of the things that we did was we said, we want to have a symposium together that we can talk about philanthropic challenges and approaches that we are finding some, some traction across the country. And that's one of the things that we put together this, this program for us, which we'll get into in, in, in just a little bit. But those are the things that we want to talk about today looking at some of the visions for Catholic education in the future, clearly talking about the challenges that face us, that we're facing, the current successes that we're seeing, and maybe have some discussions around innovative new solutions. Brian?
3: Thanks, Matt, and it's a pleasure to be here with you as well. And uh, thank you to NCA for allowing Change Our World to, as you said, work alongside of you for the past year. I echo everything Matt said about the objectives. Uh, and I'm also just personally a big fan of um, a sharing of information and sharing of really strong content and ideas. Not every solution is, is right for everybody. I know that in working with a lot of the Catholic schools and many of you in the field. But uh, the more sharing we can do, there might be aha moments or tidbits of other ideas that might strengthen and enhance what everyone's doing on the front lines. So a mm-hmm. pleasure to be here. In terms of myself, um, you heard Brian Cribbins, the CEO of Changing Our World, just uh, on a personal note, a product of Catholic education um, every step of the way, uh, for myself being the youngest of nine children, I have uh, four young children uh, myself today with my wife and they all attend uh, St. Anne's School in, uh, on Long Island, New York. And I am truly honored and it's a real pleasure to serve on two boards, one um, Tomorrow's Hope Foundation, which is the scholarship arm uh, for the Catholic elementary school system in the Diocese of Rockville Center, and I serve as vice chair of the Institute for Catholic Schools at St. John's University, supporting four uh, dioceses through the programmatic elements. So uh, personally and professionally, this is a a very important topic to me, uh, and I'm
2: thankful for everyone who took the time to join us today. Over to you, Matt. Yeah, I'm Matt Russell. I'm the Chief Advancement and Business Development Officer here at NCEA, and I've held a lot of roles at NCEA. I was the Executive Director for our Secondary Schools Department uh, when we had that department, But before that, and I think probably more importantly, I was a director for secondary ed and financial programs in the Archdiocese of Baltimore. I was a teacher, a vice principal, and a principal of several different elementary schools in the Archdiocese of Washington. So I've seen the challenges and some of the solutions uh, that we're going to be discussing here up close and personal, and I've lived in in, in each of those worlds. Uh, And so finding ways that we can really find some meaningful way to address those challenges is a very personal thing to me. I'm very happy to work with Brian because I'm also a graduate from St. John's University. I got my master's uh, in educational leadership from there. So go Red Storm, and we're very <laughs> happy to be here. Brian and I have had a lot of fun working on our partnership. You know, we met in the spring of 2018, and we had a wide-ranging discussion about the problems facing Catholic education, some of the approaches that we were seeing success, and then I also explained to him how, how NCEA Uh, identified and recognized the strong leaders across the country uh, who are really taking the bull by the horn, so to speak, and finding innovative ways to address some of the problems that were facing uh, Catholic schools across the country. Um, And as we went through that discussion, you know, and we said, well, this would be great, you know what we need to do, it really became clear to us that what we needed to do was find a forum, find a place where we could put some of the best minds in Catholic education together around a table uh, listening to great presentations, and what we came up with was why not add this to the NCEA Seton Awards? The Seton Awards, which we'll talk about in a minute, but that's where we recognize the wonderful philanthropic work that is being done across the country uh, by incredibly generous individuals and forward thinking individuals. And why not increase that so it's more than just an awards dinner? That there is meaningful discussion uh, that's going on, that we could have a back and forth both with the awardees. And other experts that are working in the field and having good impact, having great impact in our Catholic schools, changing our world has just been a wonderful partner to NCEA in the, in the creation of this. And uh, we, we were very excited about the success of the inaugural symposium, and we're really looking forward to continuing this this discussion through this year and into our next uh, symposium, which will happen next October. Ryan. Yep. And you know,
3: when Matt talked about some of the early conversations we had. You know, I always felt I had a good understanding of what NCA was doing, and it turned out I I didn't even have a half a clue to some of the great work uh, that the team does with all everyone on the phone's uh, clear partnership. And I know talking to Matt and the other leadership uh, folks at NCA, we had our own experiences of having worked in thirty five plus different archdioceses and more than five hundred Catholic elementary and, and and high schools, and more than a thousand parishes that we understood sort of. The dynamics, the challenges, but also the opportunities. Uh, again, from our perspective, that I felt when we got further into discussing how we could sort of put some of our thoughts together and some of our ideas together, you're, you're now seeing an outgrowth of that. So, just thank you to NCA uh, for the partnership. We're certainly thrilled on our side, and you know, this webinar is just one example of hopefully the continued good work together. So, get us started, uh, just as a way to maybe level set uh, and and kind of give some give everyone a perspective of when we think of philanthropy and we think of fundraising. And What what does it mean in terms of what today's donors are, are up to? Um, if you can try to put them into a big box and kind of get an understanding of what they're interested in, it's important to know that they are changing. I think donors from even 10, certainly 20 years ago, um, why they give and, and how they give and by which means, um, with use of technology, et cetera, I think a lot of some of the very basic rules uh, that used to be in play for a long time in, in the world of fundraising are, I think, are, are up for grabs. You know, what's not different um, in many ways about today's donors is that they're really hands-on in many cases, looking for tangible results. You know, the days of being a phenomenal Catholic school... Um, sort of being quote unquote good enough um, are quickly coming to an end for better or for worse. Donors looking to see if we're truly moving the needle in the work that we're doing. Things like ROI terminologies. Increasingly, the next generation, Generation Z, is one of, uh, you know, has a social bent, a global awareness. Again, th- thanks to the technology and social media, they're just aware of a lot more information, have access to more information, which I think is. Is one part of what's made them who and how and the type of donors that they're going to become and are. It's also the generation, Generation Z specifically, uh, born after 1994. Um, you know, he or she is keenly aware of their own experiences. They've, they've lived through two wars. Uh, they've lived through a recession in their short lives already. They're facing increased um, sensitivity around debt. And a lot of this is what's driving their focus and their ROI metric driven approach. From a global standpoint, they're also. Beginning to show clearly that they are, with their purchasing power, are looking for companies that have strong ethical and moral compasses. And I think, if you layer that in again to the great works that the Catholic schools and you all do, if we get our messaging right, I actually think this next generation, all generations, but increasingly this next generation, our message is is really, really strong and will certainly resonate to them. And so I think if we if we think of that and we think of you know one other thing, one other note before we we. I close this part about the today's donors is that I haven't had a chance to give a speech about this topic in and of itself. The one thing I do want to make note of is, and point out to the, to the audience here is that women are becoming, uh, for that matter, are actually here as the main leaders in philanthropy. And again, men and women and the differences in how they give is also something that
2: all of us need to be continually mindful about today and certainly in the years ahead. So I think one of the first things that we need to talk about as we begin to frame the conversation is let's remind ourselves what are the challenges that we're facing and clearly one of the biggest challenges that we all face and we know is that we are facing a significant decline in enrollment and numbers of school closures nationally Uh, as we get down into the regional aspects some regions are seeing much more strength much more resilience than others based on demographic shifts Uh, but overall we know there's a lot of pressure on our enrollment numbers and our school numbers, especially at the elementary level. Over the past decade, we know that we have decreased the number of schools and population by at least 30%. Unfortunately, that pace continues, especially at the elementary level. The secondary school market has seen a bit more stability, especially in the number of schools. Uh, So the secondary schools have a little bit more stability within their ranks, but they're also under increased pressures in terms of funding their schools, keeping competitive modern programs available to the students and the families that are a much more discerning audience now, I think, than they were 20 years ago. And so those are that's a real challenge that we face. And schools are no longer able to meet all of their operational needs based solely on tuition collection. And so the need for subsidies within the operational budgets of our schools is growing every year and with an increasing amount of pressure put on those subsidies. And Those subsidies come from the parish, they come from the diocese, they come from outside funding organizations and and foundations, and while the schools are finding themselves in a situation where they have a growing need for those subsidies, those funding organizations themselves, especially the parish and the diocese, are under increasing pressure to have those funds available for what the schools are going to need. From an enrollment perspective and from a, a subsidy perspective, there is a there is a, a lot of pressure that is put on the on our organizations right
3: yeah, and one of those is certainly the educational options, meaning there are more uh, out there, um, whether they be uh, charter schools whether they be more successful uh, and more fu- more f- more funded public schools, um, certainly more options for families to consider even even homeschooling and so I think when we I know in some of our communications work that we've done when we've been able to go out and do focus groups um, You know, it it is. It's just a certain reminder. It hits you in the face when we talk to parents. The, The options are there for them you know unfortunately for us as well the uh, the catholic church with no means to surprise anyone on this call you know finds itself in the news uh, often on the front pages um with what's going on and so um that will probably be with us uh, unfortunately um for a few more months and years any chance I get I'm I'm screaming from the mountaintops about the amazing work that we have with catholic schools uh, hospitals catholic charities so I hope uh, not to get lost behind the headlines this is the amazing work the church as a whole does, and certainly for this case, um, education.
2: Yeah, another great challenge that we have is finding and retaining effective leadership. One of the things that we know is that schools with great principles tend not to close, and schools that don't have great leadership tend to have trouble being a great school. So finding effective Catholic leadership for our schools is is paramount. How do we find them? How do we retain them, how do we train them uh, to be more effective as Catholic school leaders is a challenge that we face for a a positive spin on some of these challenges. That is one of the areas that we can have the most direct effect in the shortest amount of time by finding good leaders and giving them effective ways to be trained to make them better leaders in today's schools. Yeah, and one point, is
3: the last one here is an important one, I think, when we think about the challenges we face, and that is the ability to innovate. And so, I often get a chance to talk to groups about when we think of even fundraising. Uh, there's tremendous pressure, even within nonprofits, to find unrestricted dollars. Many of the today's donors I covered will often restrict their giving. And that's often, in my opinion, it can be great. But behind all that is something that's potentially dangerous, and that is the need to innovate. We need organizations to continue to try. You know, even if that means we try and we fail, that's okay. That's part of innovation. And I think certainly of these challenges that Matt and I just took you through, and and there are others as well, certainly, innovation is going to be somewhere in here as a through line of what helps us figure our way out. And so, I encourage all groups and all organizations to continue to try to be as innovative as possible. And for many donors, being open, being honest about the need to innovate uh, is something that's great. It gets them at the table and gets them wanting to sort of see that as well. And I think that is one area, one aspect of what will help us propel us forward for some of these very important challenges and difficult challenges that we face.
2: That's a great point, Brian. So, one of the ways, you know, Brian talked a little bit about finding ways to move the needle, prove the ROI, the return on investment that, that our funders and our, our philanthropists are putting into our schools, and one of the ways that NCEA seeks to do that is through our Seton Awards and our Seton Awards Gala. And for the past 27 years, NCEA has awarded the Elizabeth Ann Seton Award uh, to people who have a lifelong dedication to supporting Catholic schools across the country, exemplary individuals who support the services that impact education and the well-being of our nation's youth. Those are the people that we highlight each year. We talk about them through our journal, our Momentum journal. We highlight the programs that they have in place that are having impact. So we're looking and trying to highlight those programs that do exactly what Brian was talking about which was move the needle. Are these scholarship programs very effective in increasing student enrollment? Are our training programs doing a better job at creating the leaders of tomorrow? And so finding a way to highlight those individuals, hopefully uh, to motivate other like-minded individuals to either participate or participate at a greater level in finding some of these solutions for Catholic schools, those are the overarching goals of the Seton Gallery. And that's why when Brian and I began our conversations about the symposium and the discussion, it was a natural fit to put those two things together and to house the symposium as a part of our Seton Awards program. And so the Seton Awards, the the Philanthropy Symposium, which we had our inaugural year back in October uh, of 2018, we wanted to focus on this ever-changing landscape of Catholic education and how we can support it as we move forward. So we wanted to bring together school advancement leaders, current and past awardees and honorees of the Seton Program, preeminent Catholic education philanthropists, and we wanted to talk about strategizing, wanted to talk about the sharing of intellectual resources so that together we might be able to construct some solutions or at least frame the questions around how we begin to address these pressing challenges facing Catholic education. Uh, We wanted to hear about how those possible solutions are working in very specific areas across the country and see if there was is not a way that we can then expand that toward to the different areas of the country so that we can be providing a Catholic education for future generation. As a part of the symposium, we created a summary report, a white paper that summarizes all of the activities that went into the symposium, so that if you couldn't take part in the inaugural year, You certainly can look at the white paper, and that white paper that we produced in partnership with Changing Our World is available as a downloadable PDF, uh, which will be in the resources that are provided at the end of this webinar. Uh, So everyone who's on there, you can get it. You'll be able to read it. Uh, And then I, of course, encourage everyone to come and be a part of our discussions next year at our uh, second annual philanthropy symposium as a part of the Seton Gala for next year. One of the things that we found is that Catholic schools, and this this came out in several of the the people who had discussions and led sessions at the symposium, is Catholic schools are indispensable in serving the poor, new immigrants, uh, minorities, and non-Catholics. We have soaring Latino and Hispanic populations in the country, but the enrollment of Hispanics in the the Catholic school system only hovers around 17 percent. So how do we engage those populations? And to have them be welcomed and thriving parts of our Catholic school community was one of the one of the topics that was well discussed at the symposium Brian great
3: and one of those very topics was in in honoring one of the first honorees Jim and, and Molly Perry, who uh, come come out of the Chicago Archdiocese of Chicago, and just a wonderful uh, couple who've dedicated their lives to empowering vulnerable children um, by facilitating their access to, in fact, Catholic education. In order to do that, they've done many, many things. I'm just going to highlight one particular aspect that I know My, I, I speak for many people in the state of New York that I wish we could uh, make happen on our end, and I know it's not for lack of effort by any means, but the Perrys were driving force behind a huge campaign that succeeded in passing public policy uh, to expand educational options for low- and middle-income uh, Illinois families. They did that through the Tax Credit Scholarship Program, which allows donors to deduct their state income tax 75% of the amount that they choose to donate to support private or Catholic schools. It's one of, I believe, 18 different states that now have that program. I've had the opportunity to hear Jim uh, speak on a few occasions, um, which a fascinating story of how he was able to get it passed but an even more important story of the impact that it is having. Um, and they're just a wonderful example of true leadership um, against many, many odds to put their tax credit in, uh, program in place, and I know it's helping
2: many, many children. One of our other great awardees this year was Kevin Short. And Kevin Short works tirelessly in the Archdiocese of St. Louis. He is the chairman of the Today and Tomorrow Educational Foundation, He's the chair of the Archdiocesan and Finance Council, the vice chair of the Show Me Institute, But at his core, Kevin believes, I think, as we all do, in the transformative power not only of education but of Catholic education. Uh, One of the things that really drives him in his work at the Today and Tomorrow Educational Foundation goes beyond our Catholic schools. And it's what their main philosophy is is that when children can succeed in school, we have a better educated workforce. When a workforce is better educated, the entire region becomes – there's a stronger economic engine in the region – and this allows the challenges of poverty to be really met head on. So there's a multiplier effect. As we support Catholic schools, there's more to it than just supporting the Catholic school for the sake of supporting the Catholic school. There is a transformative effect on the entire regions when these schools and these systems of schools are very healthy. And he's seen great success in doing that. You know, He's been able to take the Today and Tomorrow Educational Foundation. You know, they were raising about $350,000. Uh, a little more than a decade ago, and now under his leadership, they're bringing in about $12 million uh, annually. Uh, So they're able to provide scholarships to 166,000 children across the St. Louis area. So it's a very effective way to be able to funnel children into Catholic schools and have a very positive effect on the region that he's in. Great. The
3: third honoree was Archbishop Kurtz, who, as some have described as the nicest and most likable guy to hold a senior position in the Catholic Church, and I would certainly back that up. He has spent two decades in Catholic schools and proposes that our most critical task at this point in the communities around the country is to help our schools get back to their roots. And by that, he really means which everyone knows the kind of schools do so well, which is really educating the whole child um, and really really the child being a gift that the whole school community needs to nurture and develop. Two models, two financial models that he's put in place um, somewhat recently to help the financial aspect of the schools in Louisville. One was four years ago, he led and provided leadership such that the Archdiocese solicited 1% of contributions from every parish in the Archdiocesan boundaries, whether or not they had a school to support families who are choosing Catholic education, making it available to them. He's, he's spoken out publicly uh, many times that we cannot allow our schools simply to become a place for those who can merely afford it. And the second strategy, I know many of those on the line uh, have a, an equivalent of this in their diocese or may, in fact, be working with them, but that is um, approximately 20%, 3,000 students in Louisville receive uh, significant financial assistance coming out of their archdiocese's Catholic Education Foundation, uh, which provided about $6 million in tuition assistance. In addition, the foundation also distributes grants that are technology-based, whether it be iPads, smart boards, 3D printers, drones, robotics, et cetera. Uh, So I think Archbishop Kurtz is a wonderful role model for us all, providing great leadership from his position. Uh, Great man, as I said in the beginning, and he's he's put two great programs in place to help the financial stability, but also the financial uh, accessibility to the Catholic schools in
2: Louisville. And Father Joseph O'Keefe was our Presidential Award winner, and Father O'Keefe is the University Fellow and Scholar-in-Residence at Fordham University. He has worked for years with Catholic school teachers and Catholic school leaders and has educated countless generations of them as they have affected Catholic schools across the country uh, during his time as an educator. He has a strong conviction that intellectual excellence and religious commitment is the heart of Catholic education. He also worked a long time at the Lynch School of Education at Boston College, and he had many programs around teacher effectiveness, how you assess that, how we prepare teachers better, uh, how we become better leaders in Catholic schools. Uh, so he is having direct effect in the education that is going on in the schools today. The second-to-last
3: honoree, personal favorite, one of my personal favorites, having five sisters and two daughters myself, the Women's Educational Alliance, what a great group. They have a shared vision that every child uh, should have a chance to receive a quality education by attending one of our Catholic schools. And so what they what they do is two-pronged approach. Uh, one, financial aspect, which is providing scholarship support for those who cannot afford the Catholic school in the Baltimore Urban Community Schools. And the second part, which I found really fascinating, the support doesn't stop at tuition. It really gets to the heart of the social aspect and helping develop the whole child And so along those lines, they have tea parties for fourth and fifth grade girls, the opportunity for them to develop their social skills, tour college, and host various events. And WEA also sponsors things like bowling parties that help raise funds for classroom technology, school uniforms, the music, art, theater, field trips, et cetera, et cetera. So combining both the financial accessibility, but also the social development, I think is a wonderful and a very community-driven And this is yet another example of going back to my opening slides of today's donor. It's a wonderful manifestation of what in the fundraising world is uh, seeing itself develop as giving circles, groups of people coming together, pulling their resources, and they are often
2: led by women, and this is a wonderful example of that. Our last awardee this year was Porto Charities, led by Leo Alonso in the Diocese of Arlington, and their main focus is helping students with special needs find homes in our Catholic schools, that our Catholic schools should be inclusive communities that have a place for all of God's children. Uh, They have worked tirelessly across the Archdiocese to create programs and opportunities to have children that have special needs become a vibrant part of both high school and elementary schools within the diocese. So it's working to expand our accessibility, working to expand the access to a Catholic education for all of the children that we are called to serve. Uh, Puerto Charities and Leo Alonzo was a wonderful addition to our Seton uh, awarding group this year. So as we moved along, so we got to hear from all of our awardees in our morning session at the symposium, and they talked about those issues that, that as Brian and I described that really motivated to get up every morning and serve Catholic schools. After we talked with our awardees, we got down to sort of a more operational level. We had representatives from the Drexel Fund and from the Fatica and the Philanthropy Roundtable come and talk with us about some of the things that we are ways that we are having positive effects in Catholic schools. And one of the first things that they began talking about and became very clear as the discussion continued throughout the day, was, are we looking, and do we have current relevant governance models within our schools? that meet the challenges that we have. The Drexel Fund does some wonderful work in creating sustainable networks of faith-based schools. They're looking for entrepreneurial-based schools that maybe have a different focus than we're used to, career, technical schools, and the discussion was centered from the Drexel Fund's point of view, was centered around the opportunity to shift church from an owner-operator of schools, really to an authorizer of schools. And this grew out of models that exist in in the Catholic world already, especially around colleges, hospitals, and Catholic charities. Uh, So we had a wonderful discussion with the folks from the Drexel Fund around ways that we could look and reimagine new ways to have governance within our Catholic schools.
3: The second area that was discussed in terms of governance models, um, and I know many of you are, are hopefully familiar with the, the Crystal Ray model, the uh, Crystal Ray model con- uh, program consists of 41 uni- Catholic university partners, 35 member high schools in 23 different states, with enrollments now north of 12,000 students. And much like um, a franchisee like a you know, Starbucks or McDonald's, the, the, the high schools are independently owned and are operated certainly at the local level, but they adhere to standards around accountability, innovation, and collaboration that emanate out of their uh, Chicago office. And I, you know, Bob Cattell, who was the uh, chairman and founder of um, the Brooklyn Crystal Ray School, I know was at the event as well. And and I just loved his quote from that day, and I'm just going to read it. And he says, what makes the Crystal Ray model so effective is that it combines a very good education with experience in the workplace. It focuses primarily on low-income, inner-city minority kids, many of whom are being raised by a single parent. In most cases, they don't have any idea what the business world is all about. Yet, through our program, they get a great education, they get a corporate work study experience, they work in real jobs and dress in business attire. They have to be to work on time and they have to do actual real work. Uh, This Crystal Ray model is replicable and is probably one of the best ways we can really make a difference in education today. I would echo echo that and say um, we at Changing Our World actually are big believers in it and have actually had Crystal Ray students working in our offices as well. So I've had an opportunity to not only work with them professionally, but also see firsthand and and the students we had work with us were just absolutely
2: phenomenal. And tying up our discussion around different governance models, there is a a study that's being produced by FATICA around all the different governance models that we're seeing across the country. And that should be out soon and we'll be doing work with that. Uh, But that's a wonderful resource that's being produced by our friends at FATICA and we're looking forward to that when it comes out. So after we moved from governance models, we also began to discuss staff development and this idea of having highly engaged staffs, really effective leadership. And we were able to visit with some, with our friends from Marion University and Philanthropy Roundtable. And it was led by Alicia Simon and Anthony Pieta from Vatica Philanthropy Roundtable respectively. And they worked together to create a working group around Catholic philanthropy and Having effective leadership programs is a mainstay of the work that they do. They want to be facing the immediate issues around leadership and staff development. Marion University has a very interesting program. And you know, one of the things that was introduced very early on when we talked about staff development and we talked about the universities that were doing this good work was not that we were presenting a complete list of all of the work that's being done by our university partners across the country. But just to sample it, to highlight some of the work that's being done, because there's work, great work being done across the country at many of our different universities. But just two programs, that, for the sake of time, that we wanted to talk about. You know, Marion University has taken the, taken the view that we need to get people who are already invested in Catholic education, educated and trained and able to work in our Catholic schools without bankrupting themselves. And so they've created this five-year Program, a master's program that would allow Catholic school students to graduate debt free, almost debt free, which of course frees them up to have the, the freedom to, to work in a Catholic school where perhaps the, the pay rates aren't quite as high as they are in the public sector. So that's an interesting way that the universities can step in, help do the training, and provide us with that next generation of teacher and leader uh, that is going on. Now, Notre Dame of Maryland, in partnership with a company called VESI, has taken a slightly different track, which is how do we take those people that are working in our schools now that need to have an affordable way to maintain and expand their certifications, maintain the certification that they have throughout the state. And so they've created these very low-cost, all-remote-access online programs for recertification through Notre Dame of Maryland. And so that provides an easy access for our, our teachers at a very low cost to be able to, to maintain a professional certification so that we can be sure that when we look at the education that's going on in our schools, that it is uh, top, top level, top notch. Uh, and again, the Philanthropy Roundtable continues to work with their funding partners to create these great programs across the country at any of our Catholic universities to help maintain and to advance the training that is going on in our schools for the next generation of the year. Uh,
3: The next third area is in the use of uh, data, and it actually is the backbone of the fourth and fifth areas, the last two areas that Matt and I will take you through. But two points I want to make on this. One is that I often find it helpful when I tell people that the way we view data here at Changing Our World is is really a three-step process. I think you can take this—the work you do on the ground—and the first is obviously data. Do we have access to data? And if you know, if not, let's make sure we get as much data as as possible. The second is then, what's that data lead us to? Which is intelligence. You know, what is the data telling us? What is the intelligence we glean from that? And then third, and these three steps can are overly simplistic, but I find them very helpful. If we go from data to intelligence, the last step is strategy. What does that ultimately lead us to? What does that tell us? What are some of the implementable strategies that we can take in place? So that's just a kind of a viewpoint as it relates to data. In terms of the actual data that was discussed, I want to highlight one of the more recent reports that came out last year, which was done by a collection of funders with the Fordham Institute. If you haven't had a chance to get your hands on it, I would highly recommend it. But in terms of when you think of the data to intelligence to then strategy, I thought the findings in that report... Um, and I'll highlight them now, but that that regarding Catholic students and the impact that the Catholic school has, and particularly around social skills, behavior skills, found that Catholic school uh, students were less likely to act out, be disruptive than their uh, other private schools or public school counterparts. Students in the schools exhibit more self-control in the Catholic schools than, again, their counterparts, and they were more likely to control their temper and respect others, respect other students' ideas, handle peer pressure, et cetera. And, and I I bring that up because you know that those things are often nowadays called uh, the soft skills uh, or emotional intelligence (EI). And and I um, find myself talking to a lot of business leaders on behalf of schools or nonprofits we work with. And soft skills, emotional intelligence, the the actual information that the Fordham Institute, you know, uh, many of us know this, but really highlighted that Catholic schools are very successful at doing is, in fact, what they're looking for in workplace and with their employees. And I think. If we're able to make that connection to some of the data that we have through the Fordham Institute, to some of the intelligence that leads us, it might, in fact, lead us to some strategies of how to engage our communities or and or help another way of framing uh, the, the value proposition of Catholic education. The second to last area that was uh, discussed um, was a bit of an operational approach. Um, so we've got some data, as I mentioned earlier, um, and data was the backbone of the next area, that the next topic that we went into, and that was really thinking and looking at how can um, communications and marketing in the Archdiocese of Boston, in particular, uh, elevate the brand of Catholic schools, I call it, create this halo effect, um, that we can have uh, help drive enrollment, lift all boats, um, if you will. So, just a bit about the Boston landscape. Uh, the Catholic schools in Boston are, are experiencing some enrollment issues, not a surprise, particularly in the Northeast, not a surprise since they face significant challenges with public schools and charter schools. Yet it's also, again, much like many of the communities on the, on the line here, the Catholic schools have been such an integral part of the culture, of the history of, of Boston and the city and the out, outside areas. Um, so the schools themselves provide an unmatched educational experience. So we had to figure out How do we take that and how do we marry it to those that are making the decisions, i.e., the parents, current parents? So what we did is we developed a fully integrated marketing and communications strategy for the schools, one that understood the unique value propositions. What were those that were going to buy or could buy or might buy a Catholic education? You know, what were they looking for in terms of points of distinction? What were they looking for if they understood better could, in fact, truly drive enrollment? And this led us, led us to create a, a, an overarching communications plan that is, oh, about three and a half, I guess, months now uh, in, in, in being rolled out that ties really to the heart of what the schools are about, but matches it to what the target audience is most likely to hear or want to hear. And it really wrapped itself up with a tagline, uh, a brand, if you will, communication strategy known as going further with faith. And so on a very tactical level, what we did is created a landing page on going further with faith where all the schools were present, uh, where one somebody could get information about a bunch of different schools or one in particular, but go to that site and ultimately go and not only learn more, but begin to, you know, get the right paperwork to enroll. And so over just the last few months, we put, not a lot. I'll give you a very practical example. We put $12,000 around uh, a round of paid Facebook approach, meaning the ability to find the folks that were most likely to consider Catholic education. Again, we knew the messaging that we felt very confident about that if we hit them with it, uh, the right message, we could get them to come to this landing page and create this halo effect, create this funnel, if you will. So with just spending 12,000, uh, and th- this is actually a few weeks old already, this data, but with 12,000 spe- uh, spent, we drove just under 1.2 million impressions, um, to the site. We had videos that were there for each of the schools, uh, more than uh, 16,500 views of the video, 9,300 uh, clicks were, so we were actively monitoring the flow of how the communication strategies we're not only driving people to the sites to the schools. We could track how many were what was what messaging was working, what messaging was not, and we would alter uh, as we go along. Or as I said, we altered the strategy on the fly. Of seven thousand of those page visits were were coming directly from Facebook. We knew exactly the locations because we were deliberate in where we were targeting them. And as last check, ninety percent of the visitors who had come to the site were in fact new visitors. Um, which is great. Uh, 10% were returning, which is also phenomenal. But when you have a very high number of 90%, we know that the communication strategy is working. We know that we're widening the funnel at the top. Um, and now we need to continue to hone the message and help the schools lift up their own communication strategies to match the overarching one so we can create a very unified approach. But early indications are that the program is working. The last section, uh, and I'll cover the first half and then certainly let Matt get dive into the many gifts, One Nation, a very exciting a program, but was really the area that was discussed was the how to create some revenue, how to create diversified funding strategies for for elementary schools in particular, and one is the Catholic Alumni Partnership uh, Program that We Change the World were fortunate enough to be involved in many many years ago, where we ended up working with 15 different dioceses and over 500 schools to help the elementary schools find their alumni who, who had graduated from their schools, find where they were living today. Same thing, uh, hopefully with a strong communication strategy to begin to re-engage them and, and ultimately uh, raise funds. In the first two years of that program, a year and a half really, uh, two years in total, we, we did about $12 million in funding that came in for those various schools. And a great example of how to sort of take an idea and make it your own, Josh Hale and the Big Shoulders Fund have taken a very similar program within thirty five elementary schools in the Archdiocese of chicago, uh, and they've got it to a point now where they're generating roughly two hundred to three hundred thousand dollars in additional revenue for the elementary schools again, it's using data uh, to intelligence to driving strategy, but it's it's one of those programs that I know in talking to many on the line or in out in the field, it was always the what if what if we could find our alumni what if we could Understand who who all those who came through these hallways, and I think uh, we've proven that a
2: program like that is certainly doable. Matt, over to you. You know, and as we talk about revenue stream development and creating other ways to get needed funds into the schools, one of the things, as I mentioned at the very beginning, you know, the high schools seem to have some more stability around their organizations than the elementary schools, and part of that is that the high schools tend to have more robust advancement programs. Within their buildings, and the economics that we have in the elementary schools, a lot of times don't allow for that. And so, through a partnership with Facts, NCEA has stepped forward uh, and said, "Well, how do we how do we give smaller elementary schools the tools that they need to be more competitive in that space?" And out of that grew the Many Gifts One Nation program, which is a day of giving for Catholic schools that NCEA and uh, FACTS sort of operate together. And as the main sponsor of that, FACTS went through and they created landing pages for every Catholic school in the country, uh, whether they're an NCA member or not, That every Catholic school in the country can take part in this. And it's a way to connect our schools with a very broad and diverse section of donors. So a way for them to connect with alumni that they have lost, a way for them to connect with former donors, other people who are looking to uh, become engaged with their Catholic school, a way to reach out to the community in an effective, efficient manner, uh, ways to find people brought in from organizations, from the local companies and stores that support an area to a broad, uh, diverse donor set for the schools. This is our second year. In our first year, uh, we were able to help Catholic schools across the country raise an additional $850,000. Uh, And this year, we were about $1.3 into Catholic education as a result of the Many Gifts One Nation program. Uh, So, and again, that's to help provide more professional development opportunities for Catholic schools that otherwise wouldn't be able to afford that. And so hopefully, by using these methods, we can bring some of those development methods to these smaller Catholic schools to help broaden their revenue stream development. So as you can see, our discussions During the film, the the philanthropy symposium were wide ranging. We tackled a number of issues and it was brought forward less as a presentation of the final solutions for everything as it was a way to hold the right conversation, to get the right people in the room, uh, to get the right ideas out for discussion to foster an environment of collaboration and cooperation, hopefully showing a willingness to explore new ideas, new programs, new structures uh, that could have a very positive effect on Catholic education across the country. And again, we present here are not the final solutions. They're not the only solutions, but they are certainly examples uh, that people can take that they hopefully can glean some knowledge and some wisdom from and begin to have their own effect on Catholic schools. Uh, so I would like to invite everyone to be a part of our discussion next year at the second annual philanthropy symposium, which will be held in Washington, D.C. on October 7th. And if you can't be involved in it live, we certainly hope that you will tune in for our next webinar uh, and be part of the conversation that way. Brian? Yeah, and I
3: certainly would like to remind everyone where we started as well, which is we covered a lot. It was a you know certainly a phenomenal. Day, and this was the outgrowth of it. But I want to remind everybody of the, of the report that we put together with NCEA to take a deeper dive into the actual day itself. And, and, as, and as Matt said, you know, the collective groups sharing of ideas certainly not no perfect answer, but sharing of knowledge and sharing of information. So um, I think at this time I would just like to say thanks, and we will open it up for uh, some Q and A. So I'll let Andrea back on the line.
1: Yes, we have a few questions that have come in already, and for those of you who are listening, please feel free to continue to post questions, uh, and you can also download your certificate of attendance at this time in the certification widget. Matt and Brian, early in the presentation, you mentioned attracting leadership as one of the common challenges. Have you seen any particularly effective examples or systems for attracting and retaining people of color into Catholic school leadership that you could point to?
2: Sure. Uh, This is Matt. I'd love to to take that. I think that there are many leadership programs at the local Catholic universities that are looking to broaden the the diversity that's in Catholic school leadership now, and I think that that really is one of our main challenges that we do have to address, that the the leadership for our Catholic school communities needs to be engaged with the communities that they serve. Uh, That doesn't mean they have to be of the same ethnicity, but they have to be in communication, in constant conversation and engagement with those communities. Uh, And there's a lot of great work being done, uh, especially in the Hispanic area uh, in Texas, in Dallas. Uh, They're doing some wonderful work there. Uh, The University of Dallas has some great programs. Uh, And so I think that if you, as you look at your local Catholic universities, there are going to be programs that are available there to help increase that diversity in our leadership.
1: Thanks, Matt. Can one of you tell one of our listeners where they can find the Fordham Institute study that you mentioned on the impact of Catholic schools on social skills?
3: Yeah, this is Brian. We have the email addresses. I can provide a link. I don't have it off the top of my head right now, but I know it was something that was, it's publicly available and you can search for it. And I think there's a PDF online somewhere, but I can certainly make sure we pull that down and get it out to the audience, particularly if we know the person who asked that question as well.
1: Sure. Absolutely. I'll be happy to send that to the entire attendee list if, if you can send that to me, Brian. Okay. So someone would like to know, what are some ways for diocesan foundations. To incentivize schools to build alumni or development programs, such as increasing scholarship awards to schools, program grants, et cetera.
3: This is Brian. I'll I'll take a jump at this as well. Um, You know, one of the things I uh, I think the first suggestions, first two you threw out there, I think are definitely ways. I think, you know, what we experienced also in the early days, and, and even by that I mean about eight to 10 years ago, and even increasingly so now, that the schools that were in the early part of the Catholic Alumni Partnership Program, the program I, I mentioned, where we, they found their alumni and they began to engage with them, you know, a lot of schools said to us, a lot of school principals said to us when we were working with them in the beginning, and I totally appreciate this, that you know they have more than enough in their day jobs, um, that and and also many times we heard, you know, and I didn't get into this to fundraise, and so I would often encourage it, whether it be the development arm of the diocese or m- m- many more cases the the fundraising experts that are housed at the foundation would often uh, work in partnership to help the schools to, um, really, particularly for some of the major gift prospects, you know, bring coming back for a tour, having meetings with them, or whatever the case might be. So I think looking to partner with them potentially even to help you be the arms and the legs. Um, if you're able to find and develop a, a, an increasingly large database, for your school, I think there, there. In my experience, there are certainly resources within a diocese, within a foundation, to help you make the best of that, get the most out of it. Again, whether it's advice on your annual fund or an event you're doing, all the way up to major gift solicitations. So I would, I would strongly consider looking for ways to partner, not only from a financial standpoint, but also from a heavy lifting and those who putting
2: people in the right positions to do what they do best. You know, one of the things about that is nothing breeds success like success. So if the schools in any particular diocese or area, if you can partner with a few of them and have the demonstrable effects of the, of the program uh, that, that you are trying to, to build in terms of alumni engagement or the development program itself, if three of the schools see great effect by becoming engaged and becoming full partners with the foundation, uh, that will be noticed by the other schools in the diocese and they'll want to get in on that. Uh, you know, as the principal say, like, you know, this saved, this saved my school, we were able to do this, it didn't take up all of my time, we were able to partner with them, they helped us with a lot of the heavy lifting, uh, you know, then it, that also encourages the other schools who might be a little bit tentative because of those reasons that you mentioned, Brian, uh, to jump in.
1: Thank you, Tom and uh, Brian, I think this question is in relation to something you mentioned earlier about your social media strategy. You said that you had targeted uh, those who were likely to consider Catholic education. Can you give us an idea of what some of those characteristics you used to determine and develop that audience funnel?
3: I'll hit on a couple, but there's certainly more. Um, So actually, building off of where we just were, in Boston, where they had done a pilot program of the CAP program, the Catholic Alumni Partnership, finding the alumni for the elementary schools, we knew, or we had a good sense, at least, let me put it that way, um, of where the Catholic alumni were, even as current parents, and and again, an outgrowth of our data and our research focus groups, quantitative, qualitative, et cetera, showed no surprise that the lowest hanging fruit, those most likely to consider Catholic education who did not have their kids in Catholic education at the moment, were those who experienced Catholic education at any point or at some point in their life. So that aha moment we had, uh, which was, wow, we're sitting on this CAP database, for those that are in the archdiocese walls, you know that provides an opportunity. The target audience that we know is most receptive. You know how can we find them on social media? And so you can, you can absolutely uh, not hundred percent by any means, but technology exists to try to find Facebook. I'll stay there because that's where we concentrated a lot of our efforts. And not only so did we attempt to try to find the specific individual, um, we also then widened the net to say. You know, can we look for people who are of like characteristics, similar age, potentially even income around a certain area? And that provided us a catchment group to begin to push the Facebook paid advertising to. And again, that's one strategy just to give you an example um, of what we did. And the real true value of it is though ultimately for that particular program is when I call it sort of the organic approach takes over when people start to talk about it themselves, because that is really where the magic happens. And that we were able to track as well, feedback from the videos, from websites, people sharing, people writing in about their experiences. And so we were creating a groundswell within social media around the target audience that to sum it all up, started with us looking to identify potentially if possible the individual widening it out to characteristics, hitting them with the $12,000 paid Facebook that launched this flurry of activity.
1: Excellent. And we have one final question for Matt because we're getting to the end of the hour here. Matt, can you talk about what future plans you have for the Philanthropy Symposium? You mentioned that this was the first one. How would you like to see it grow and how can it be accessible for those who can't attend in person next year?
2: Yeah, absolutely. It certainly is our hope that that is going to grow and develop into a deeply meaningful conversation with the people who can greatly affect what's going on in Catholic education across the country, especially from a, a philanthropy and development standpoint. Um, you know, so clearly the first way that I would love to have people involved would be to be there, to be a part of the conversation. And this is an open invitation to people to come and be a part of the conversation. Coming to Washington, Uh, It's always always a great plan. We intend to to grow the symposium so that there's uh, meaningful conversations for people of different focuses, people from different areas, people with different jobs within development and advancement in philanthropy. Um, So that'll be for next year. And then eventually, we're hoping that there'll be some sort of remote access for the the symposium so that at least the keynotes and some of the panel discussions uh, will be accessible via the internet.
1: You had a white paper this year. Will that be something that continues?
2: Absolutely. We'll continue doing a, a, a report that we put out on the discussions, and, you know, hopefully they'll, the ones that come in the, in the future will also have follow-ups on the discussion points from previous years.
1: Excellent. Well, thank you both. Uh, that concludes our time for questions today. If we didn't get to your question or you're watching on demand, feel free to keep submitting them through the Q&A box, and those will get emailed directly to Matt and Brian, and they can get in touch with you. If you've not done so already, please go ahead and download your certificate of attendance if you'd like it. I want to remind you that you can get the white paper as well as a copy of the slides in the resource widget today, and we'll be sending out that link uh, that we talked about earlier. I want to thank you all for your active participation or audience today, and you will be getting this webinar uh, via email on demand tomorrow. Any final words, gentlemen, before we sign off? Thank you for
2: participating.
3: Yep, couldn't agree more. Thank you for participating, and thank thank you for all you do on the ground and working with the schools um, every day. So thank you to all those who participated.
1: And thank you both for sharing your time and expertise with our members today. I want to remind everyone that registration is still open for NCEA 2019. We're going to be in Chicago, so please join us this April. And if you're looking for summer PD opportunities, check out our Institute for Catholic School Leaders, which will be in Indianapolis July 14th through 17th. And then our Stream 3.0 conference is going to be in Parsippany, New Jersey, June 17th through 19th. So check all of that out on NCA.org, as well as our upcoming webinar and you can access all of our on-demand webinars through nca.org webinars. Thank you all for joining us and have a blessed day.
0: I want to thank the National Catholic Education Association, Mr. Matt Russell, and of course, Brian Crimmins for being on our show this week. Next week, we continue our conversation on Catholic education and advancement. I hope you'll join us. If you have any questions or comments about today's show, you can email me at jim at advancingourchurch.com or leave us a comment on our website. Remember, I'll also put links to the full webinar where you can download the report and materials that were mentioned on today's show. Well, that's our show this week. Again, happy Labor Day. Hope you're finding some time to relax this weekend. Many thanks to the Changing Our World podcast team and the Pottery Studios for their support of our show. If you'd like more information about our podcast, please visit us at advancingourchurch.com. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. A great way to show love for our show is by leaving us a five-star rating on iTunes. We appreciate that, and we appreciate all of your likes and retweets and reposts of all of our podcasts throughout the week. Advancing Our Church is a production of Changing Our World, a fundraising and social impact consulting firm that has been advising both nonprofits and corporations for the past 20 years. For more information, please visit us at changingourworld.com. Enjoy the rest of your Labor Day weekend. Have a great week, everybody. Welcome back to school. Take care and God bless.